Hi, welcome to Behind the Sounds. Uh, I'm Leah and I'm here today with the lovely Stephanie Lambring. Welcome, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. Hi. Thank you so much. Um, we have so much to talk about. Um, I will start off by saying that you have two new singles out, which we will dive into a lot more. Um, and you have a new album coming out in October, which is very exciting. Um, how, is, how is life in quarantine for you, releasing new music and getting it all out there? Has it been more difficult? You know, I've, it, this is a new thing for me. I haven't released my own music in a decade, so it was already going to be strange. So I don't know, stranger. It's just, you know, a unique set of circumstances, I guess. Um, but overall, you know, quarantine in general has been okay. The first six weeks I enjoyed, but then the last two or three, I've kind of been itching for some kind of routine again, you know, yeah. but as far as releasing music, I don't know, because I tend to write about darker, heavier subjects. So it kind of, we switched the singles order. Because, I mean, um, just because the first song I was planning on releasing would have not felt right with the climate. So, I don't know. It's an interesting time. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I've actually been saying that I kind of think in a way it's such a great time to release new music as well. Because there is, there is only so much we can all do. Um, and having that kind of that newness and excitement of, of listening to something that you, you don't play already is, is really nice. Um, so, I think it's great that you're doing it and so many people are so it's it's a really great thing um so you've been in nashville for how long now gosh i've been there since 2006 or here rather so 14 years oh long time yeah i've been yeah. here a while <laughs> and did you did you grow up and it was was that always the goal like i'm gonna move to nashville or did you kind of did you float around other careers no, um, I mean, I grew up in Southern Indiana and then I came to Nashville to go to college at Belmont. And so that's, I didn't really dabble in anything else. It was just kind of like, you know, well, time for college. And then I've, I've been here ever since. Yeah. And did you, were you a musical child? Did you, did you play a lot as a child? You, do you come from a musical family or what, what are your kind of influences? Yeah, um, my dad was in, my dad was in a band when he was in high school, a rock band. So he definitely had that kind of background. I think my mom played the clarinet, but I mean, I've never seen that happen. But <laughs> my dad played in like bluegrass jams a lot of times on the weekends when I was growing up. So that was definitely like we had guitars around and uh, but I didn't really sing in front of anybody till I was in high school. Like I remember growing up, so I'm an only child, had to find various ways to entertain myself. <laughs> I would um, record myself singing into our family answering machine sometimes and just play it back like when no one was home. So that's how I got started, <laughs> I guess, Like, which is kind of strange, but in, it was in uh, high school that I, we, my class did a course on folk music and my dad had guitars so I learned a couple chords and then just kind of started singing along that was when I was 15. Yeah 
such a good age to get into it. Did you, yeah. do you find obviously, so you said your dad played in a rock band and you had kind of bluegrass and folk. What were kind of your, your influences, kind of artists and musicians? Were there anyone in particular who you kind of thought, oh, yes. I'll be like them? Yeah, I grew up on a lot of Americana. My dad played a lot of Gillian Welch, um, Patty Griffin, Buddy Miller, um, Chris Knight. So that was kind of on a loop in my in my house. And that's that's what we listened to. You know, I remember being in the backseat of the car on a car ride and listening to Orphan Girl by Gillian Welch over and over and over with my family. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely an Americana vibe. <laughs> that was happening yeah and they, I suppose there's such a broad spectrum though on, on on Americana now on any genre nowadays so you just you get so much from it that I suppose do you kind of look back now and you might not think about it but then maybe you write something or you play something and you think oh that actually yeah I've got that from my dad or from albums you listened to as a child do you, do you ever kind of feel that connection I definitely do especially now that I mean my you know my sound is kind of morphed a little bit over the years but it's interesting now that I'm getting some reviews of my songs and people to me I'm like more indie pop now and then but when people compared to where I have been and it's interesting like people keep commenting country and Americana which um so that just says a lot to me that yes that is very much in there and I'm not even aware of it you know it's just like that's, I think, what I am at the core. Definitely my writing style is like country, more country, even if it's not always the same topics. Um, definitely storytelling style, like not a lot of metaphors, not a lot of, you know, it's more direct, I have a direct way of writing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as you said, you, you kind of, you focus on hard-hitting subjects, which is so great. And I think that's such a something that country music in particular has really mastered like within its kind of development as a genre and it's always been known for that you know storytelling um so I would take that as a huge compliment um oh, definitely yeah definitely. and I suppose being in Nashville you're gonna you know you've got so much country around you um but as I say what what is a genre nowadays it's everything kind of you're so right it morphs into one um but that's so great that you've kind of you've got your own sound and I think you know you don't want to be confined to a genre if that makes sense it's so I remember whenever I was getting ready to start the whole album release process people were like what kind of genre is it and it's so hard to nail it down just because within any at any genre it can be a million there's this huge spectrum you know it's it's crazy but yeah I'll if country claims me if Americana claims me I'm all right with that you know <laughs> you'll take it yeah. um, so after college you you as we kind of briefly touched on a minute ago you you had two publishing deals um so tell us the story of kind of how you got them and who who kind of set that up for you and how how it changed things for you as to kind of doing music full-time Oh gosh, it was quite a chain of events actually, which I mean, what isn't really whenever you think about it, but um, I, it was ultimately through some songwriting showcases that I did in Belmont that I started having some relationships with different publishers around town. And um, it was, I mean, it's a long chain of events to that, but um, I was introduced 
to um, a an, someone in artist or sorry writer relations at BMI, and she set me up with several different publishing companies, and um, that's whenever I got my first publishing deal. Um, it was with a company called well BMG, <laughs> which is a huge yeah. company. Yeah. <laughs> it was, whenever I joined, there were only like nine writers in our little wow. yeah. But over the next few years, they merged with several other companies. So it was, it became a bigger, and now, now it's massive, you know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just kind of, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't, I don't want to go on and on about like how I got the deal. Um, but I wrote, you know, I started co-writing before that I didn't co-write really. I had maybe written with two other people. Yeah. And so whenever I signed, that kind of threw me into that world, which was uh, overwhelming. And then also I got to learn the craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you find, obviously like we were just talking about genres, did you find that you were, you were kind of thrown into writing country music and that was, did you, were you writing for specific people or was it kind of just put you in a room with people, see what happens? At that time, um, it, I don't feel like we, I usually wrote with, wrote with the intention of someone in particular cutting the song. Um, it mostly paired up with different people because at that point I had written with virtually no one. So it was kind of like, let's see who this works with. But there are, and I'm sure you've discussed this with many people, but there are, I think they're called pitch sheets where, um, like I would go to different publishing companies and I would see like they'd have a chalkboard wall like chalkboard wallpaper and it would be all these artists that are looking for songs and it was kind of a way to probably give you some focus like if you if you weren't feeling I don't know it just gave you a little bit of direction if you if you wanted that or needed that yeah but I, I gen in general did not write with that mindset yeah and is there anyone kind of looking back in your first few co-writes? Because as you said, it was completely new to you. Is there any writers that you, you kind of look back and you think writing with them changed something? Or I know obviously you learn from everyone, but is there anyone in particular that you, you really kind of take completeness from, if that makes sense? Kind of you say, oh, I learned so much from them. Um, you know, I this sounds terrible, but I cannot really think of someone. I think at that time I was so overwhelmed with the newness of how it all worked that the people from my first publishing deal that I wrote with, I, I, um, I didn't really continue. It was my second publishing deal. I feel like where I established more long lasting relationships. I had great experiences at BMG. Um, I wrote with a bunch of huge writers, but like, I didn't feel like, I wasn't like taken under someone's wing or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really have that feeling other than it just was a huge learning experience. Yeah. And then is it Carnival Music you went to? Did you go straight after BMG? I did. Yes. I mean, I had like, I knew we had it lined up that I would sign with them within two months of two or three months of me being done at BMG. But it takes a while to get contracts worked out. So I did like a brief stint of um, like basically being a nanny and personal assistant and kind of helping teach 
a homes, you know, helping homeschool some girls with this really cool family. But yeah, I, I did that for like six months and then I jumped back into the publishing world. Yeah. And how long were you with Carnival Music for? Because it was longer than BMG, right? Yes. So I was BMG for two years and then I was at Carnival for three. Yeah. And obviously, as, as you just said, that's kind of where things changed and kind of progressed a lot more for you, would you say? Yes, uh, definitely. With them, is that right? Am I right in saying that you kind of, as a writer and, and I suppose kind of as with artist development as well, did you, is that where things changed for you, would you say? To a certain extent, yes. I mean, Carnival is, is just this really cool, offbeat personnel. Like, it, it's a collection of really interesting people. And uh, it, the, you know, the owner is Frank Liddell, and he's awesome. He would be one of the people that I would say has been most influential. He always had a gift for telling me what I needed to hear and kind of taking away, if I were feeling anxious or full of doubt or something, he just had a way to put me at ease. Um, but I mean, that going, being at Carnival is what gave me the connection to the show Nashville. You know, that's kind of how, that's how I got several songs on there. Um, I wrote, started writing with Haley Witters and she was one of the people that I wrote, we wrote all the time. And she was, she still is a Carnival writer. So mm -hmm. just like, Fostering that relationship, I wrote a bunch with Andrew Combs, and he's an awesome Americana artist. Um, just like I feel like I was able to dive dive more into the kind of music that I like to do, that feels more like my soul music, you know. Yeah, definitely. And you you did a lot of kind of gigs with them as a songwriter, I suppose. Did you were you there solely as a songwriter, or was there kind of you're in it to write your own music and, and to release your own music? Because I know you kind of, you dabbled in it over the years, I suppose. Um, so was it, was it a focus on yourself or was it more, no, I'm here to be a writer? Um, I would say it was definitely more focused on being a writer. I would say I was confused. My vision was like kind of blurry, but my role with Carnival was what definitely more writer. Yeah. Um, I, yes. <laughs> but I was like I still always had that like just that unrest inside of me because I uh I wanted to be an artist too you know and when when you kind of played shows what did you focus on was it you focused on songs you'd released or kind of un unwritten uh well unreleased and things that potentially you were going to release? Was there a, a sole focus or did it vary kind of gig to gig? Hmm. I would say I, I never released any of the songs. You know, we had this, I had a little EP that we did. It was basically a collection of demo sessions. So I guess that counts as being released. I would say I'm, I'm more so just performed the songs that um, I hoped someone would hear and it would like take it, whatever that meant. Like if it were for another artist to record or if someone heard me singing it and they thought, oh, well, you know, I might see something with her. I'd say it was probably more of a combination. Um, but again, I was super confused artist wise in that time period that um, 
I don't think I put a lot of focus on on that being my goal. But I would I would kind of play out and be and just be like, well, whatever happens, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> and and would you say kind of obviously you being confused? So you you left uh, Carnival before your contract was up, am I right in saying? So was that kind of part of the decision? Where did that decision come from? Because it's, it's a, that's a big move to do that. So yeah, well, yeah. And how publishing deals work is um, whenever you sign a deal, it'll usually be for a year and then you'll have a certain amount of op- certain number of options. So for me, uh, I was coming up on the time where they were either going to pick up my last option or they weren't and I, they were going to pick it up. So it wasn't, it wasn't exactly like I just kind of terminated early. It, it was on the time that, you know, it was in the time period where I could have continued or I could have not continued. It was just my decision to step away. So I just want to clarify that. But um, I had been through a really, the Mr. Wonderful situation had happened that year. I'd gotten out of that relationship and then, um, I had kind of gotten burned out by co-writing all with co-writing all the time. And, but more so than that, I, I think I'd stopped writing for myself. And I, as I mentioned, I, I had lost my vision for myself as an artist. I mean, or I don't even know if I had it. I think it was kind of there, but um, I just knew at the end of, at that time with Carnival, I could not keep doing it the way I was doing it. And um, it just didn't feel authentic for me anymore. I was showing up to co-writes and not caring what I was writing, you know? And that's not a good place to be when you're getting paid to write songs for a living. Um, So I just, I knew I had to take a break. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, you carried on writing and we'll talk a bit about kind of Nashville and things, but what did you kind of, you know, the day you kind of ended your contract, was there something you wanted to do? Because I know like from like your Instagram, you travel a lot and things like that. So was there something you kind of just thought, I need to get away or I need to go right with myself? Was there anything that you kind of really desperately wanted to do as soon as you finished? Because not that it was a chore being there, but just kind of being out of it. Yeah, I mean, both definitely both those things that you mentioned, but I, uh, I think the most important thing was I wanted to take the pressure off. I, from the time I graduated college onward, all I'd ever done was music. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself that I had to do this. It was, uh, it wasn't as much of my soul wants to do this. It was like, I have to do this. You, you know, I can write songs, I can sing. So, and uh, I just wanted to take the pressure off. And in doing, so I went to bartending school. I um, learned how to make some fake drinks. And then I worked at the airport for a few months because I love airports. Mm -hmm. And then I landed a gig, um, waiting tables a little closer to home. And uh, yeah, it's, it gave me the freedom. I made more money (laughs) doing that. (laughs) And so it gave me the freedom to travel a ton and just like, I had so much less stress overall and I, I was able to get out and do fun things that um, i would always wanted to do. I mean, I went, I would go on like six or seven big trips every year yeah. and uh, I didn't write anything for a year. I didn't write one song. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I bet then when you got back into it, was there, did it feel so much better? Because obviously you were saying there was such a huge pressure and you weren't enjoying it. When you kind of came full circle and, and wrote that first song back, what was, what did it feel like? Oh my gosh. I felt just, uh, I, I felt a weight lifted because in the back of my mind, you know, I, I was trying to just trust myself and be like, you know what, if it's going to come back to me, it's going to come back. Yeah. But then I had the negative voice that was like, you're never going to, you know, you, you can't do this. You don't have the drive to do this. You, you don't have any more good, good ideas left. Um, so when I wrote the first song and pushed through, it was just like, I still got it. And it was just the best feeling. And, and it was, you know, the kind of stuff that I love to write. It, and I was like, I don't have to worry about um, who's going to cut this. Who's going to, I didn't have to worry about all of those little details that we all have to think about as staff songwriters, you know. And that was so freeing. It was the best feeling. Yeah. And you, I suppose you just fell straight back in love with it, did you? I would say so. Yeah. It, I mean, it being creative is an interesting balance of like, there's always going to be that self doubt in there. So I definitely fell back in love with it, but then it was still a cycle of like, Ugh. <laughs> I think that's just what you sign up for if you're a creative person. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I started writing all the time, but I would get a little, I'm not someone that writes every single day. Um, I know songwriters that like cannot keep it in their heads. Like they're just like, yeah. it's, they are, their ideas are just blooming all the time. Um, but it felt like there was purpose back. There was purpose back in my writing again. And that was just like, that was the best feeling. Yeah. Amazing. And so we have to talk about Nashville, which for anyone that doesn't know, which I'm sure you'll do was, uh, Ed, uh, ended on CMT. Uh, you wrote quite a few songs um, for for the show, uh, including once obviously Connie Britton sang and Charles Eston and Claire Bowen. How did that come about? You said kind of obviously it was related to your carnival relationships and things, but how did that happen? And again, was it did you write for the show or were they songs that already existed? So for three of the songs, so I've had four songs on the show. Three of the songs. I like were just written. Um, I two of them I wrote by myself, and they were on my little. No, one of them wasn't, but two of them I wrote for myself or by by myself. Probably more like from my if I if the little bit of me that still had the artist view or the artist yeah. vision, I I wrote those, and then one I wrote with one of my best friends, Shannon Wright, Red Flag, which was on season three, I think. I don't know. It was the first one that Claire. Claire Bowen sang. Then, um, because I'd had a few songs on Nashville, I was invited to do this um, songwriting camp that was at the studio where um, they fil where they filmed the show. So there's this like replica. I'm sure you've read about it. Like the, there's this almost exact replica of the Bluebird. Yeah. Um, and it's insane. As someone that has played there a bunch of times, interned there in college. It was so crazy to be in that, the um, replica of the Bluebird. But that day I wrote with Andy Albert and um, Tim Bowen, who's actually Claire Bowen's brother. Yeah. And we wrote a song called From Here On Out, which is what, De which, which is what Charles Eston sang 
after yeah. he married um, Connie, well, after Deacon and Raina got married. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to um, call them by their surnames. <laughs> I know. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, here, particularly in the UK, Nashville was huge. And particularly for kind of the UK country community, which is getting bigger and bigger. But that was something that brought so many new fans to country music here. And I mean, I know still when Charles Eston performs here, he sells out instantly. Um, and they, they do a lot of shows here still um obviously sam palladio is, is from here but it was a massive massive kind of deal here particularly for country music did you find that over there obviously being in nashville it was huge over there too did it change things for you for a writer did you feel like you had kind of more opportunity or were there more recognition things like that or did it kind of feel the same um i would say in the writing community, because there were so many writers that had songs on the show, I don't feel like it changed much for me, but it definitely, um, I noticed it, like people from my hometown and like, I felt the love from <laughs> other places, you know, but um, I don't think it changed things much for me here, but I think it, it probably helped a little bit, you know, with that, well, that I've had some, something on, that's something something that's not my record you know definitely and did you find you kind of you built new relationships through that with obviously you were saying you were writing with people like Tim Bowen and was that like have you written with them since or was it just kind of a one-off writing session um it was actually a one-off more of a one-off writing session um that was at the end of my I'm pretty sure that was at the end of my time at carnival so I was kind of phasing out in the co-writing world but we wrote two songs that day and the one song made it on um on the show and then the other song Tim recorded so I called that a big win I haven't seen him since just because I've been out of the co-writing game but he's so genuine um and he's been on he's on Australia's voice at the voice yes yeah. you know yeah so I mean even that just having you know being a co-writer on one of his records is oh it's great yeah um that's what I love about kind of talking to writers is that there's no kind of there's no small feet and there's no there's nothing that's like oh yeah it's just a song everything's not a huge deal but everything you're everyone's appreciative of and you know you'll never be you'll never kind of just shun a song if that makes sense um do you feel that as well like anything you do you'll be you're happy to be a part of like I think so. I think I know what you mean I, I maybe yeah. you clarify your question I like just having something out there in the world yeah Does yeah kind of you'll never do you always feel proud of what you kind of put out and happy to be a part of or is there anything that you've particularly maybe released that you think are oh, you know, that could be better, or I wish I hadn't have maybe been a part of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm a perfectionist, so I think that sometimes it's hard for me to, like, let certain things go. It's, it's a work in progress. Um, some, I mean, at the end of the day, some songs you like more than others, and some you're going to be um prouder of than others so yeah. i mean if i would i'd be lying if i said I, I'm, I am grateful for the opportunity to create yeah and um but there are some songs 
that I, you know, that I don't love as much as others. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, yeah. That's what I was getting at, kind of, yeah. Um, so, obviously, we're going to talk about your return to artistry, but I had a question just from, like, stalking you almost on Instagram. Um, you, being a part of Nashville and being in Nashville, you've seen so many other people and artists on stage um, and I'm sure at kind of songwriters rounds and things like that and I just out of pure like my curiosity is there any one or any band in particular that kind of a concert or a show or a writer session that you you can really stand out and you think that was one of the best things I've ever seen because um, I know you've seen a lot so just for kind of a fan yeah well, the first, I'm just going to say the first one that comes to my mind. Um, one of my favorite venues in Nashville is called the High Watt. It's this cool, like, moody club. Uh, not a huge capacity, but it's, like, my favorite place to go see shows. So uh, one night I was, I went to a show there. I was watching um, my friends and fellow carnival rider at the time. We were both there. Logan Brill. Yeah. Um, he's amazing. Yeah. She was opening a show there. And I mean, she did a killer job. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm ready to go home. You know, it, I, I didn't really want to stay for the main act. But I was like, eh, I'll be nice. I, mean, I didn't know. I didn't know who he was. It, it was David Ramirez. And I hung on every single word. Like, yeah. it was one of those moments that like I did not want the con the show to end and I never feel I, I mean I'm I'm one of those I'm not a night owl I'm ready to go home at the end of the night and that he just mesmerized me and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it me and everybody else in the room like that's one of my favorite concerts of all time just because it was so unexpected I didn't know any of his stuff and he just has this authenticity mm -hmm. yeah. I think Sometimes it's the people like that that, as you say, are the best, the best concerts and small venues as well. So underrated, I think. I think I, I actually am like the smaller the venue, the better. Um, I, I just think like I saw a show at Music Marathon Works and I was like, that's the best size venue because <laughs> you just, it's so intimate and it's just, you hear so much more and I just love it. So I love that your favorite gig is something like that because it resonates yeah. hugely. When you're in Nashville, you got to go to a show there. <laughs> Definitely. I'm adding it to the list. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, that was a bit off on a tangent, but I just wanted to ask, because I know you've seen kind of endless amounts of people. Oh my um, gosh. And there are so many more to mention, but that's just the one that like, oh my gosh, incredible. What about writing wise? Have you ever, is there anyone that you've sat in a room with and you've just been blown away because you've written with some kind of some really amazing people. Yeah. I mean, I have to say Lori McKenna, holy cow. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you get that a lot, <laughs> but you go, I, whenever I was at Carnival, I had the opportunity to go up to um, the Boston area and write with her a couple times and you just go over to her house and she is just, I mean, she is this fountain of brilliance, you know, and you don't feel intimidated because she is just that approachable and just down to earth. Um, and, and also the brilliance that comes out of her mouth, you know, it's, 
So that's, that's definitely one of them. Um, I love, I, my experience with Haley Witters has been amazing too. I mean, she's such a good, real um, writer. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Gosh, there's so many people, but it's Lori McKenna, man. She's just, <laughs> she just is, she's yeah. a force. I mean, there's a reason why she is who she is and she's so respected by the music community. I wrote with Hillary Lindsay once too, which is really interesting. Like I'm amazed and Tom Douglas, I'll say the same for, for him. Um, like they will just step away for a minute and then they'll come back with an entire verse or chorus. Yeah. I don't like, it is unreal that, that they're able to just, it's so poetic. It's beautiful. Nothing needs to be changed. Yeah, I've heard that a lot about Hillary Lindsay in particular, that she, I think I heard once that like the first like chorus, the ver verse and chorus of Girl Crush, she just literally just sang. And I was like, wow. It's I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> she, they, I mean, obviously Laurie is just a force of nature, as she said. She, she's come up in every single one of these conversations I've had with songwriters. <laughs> so whether they've been from Nashville or not. So I... <laughs> you must be feel so honored to have written with her though oh my word i know it's it's like some of the best co-writing experience you know the, it, i would be there for like eight hours and you don't feel like it's been a long day i've been in co-writes where one hour felt like a long time you know yeah. so it's she she's amazing Amazing. Um, so you had you had so some more kind of co-writes that, that got released. Um, I know we spoke about Claire Bowen um, from Nashville. So you, you had a, a song on her album and also Terry Clark, which I want to speak about because as a, a female artist, like she is one of the the all time greats. So what was that like? How did that come about writing for her? Oh, my gosh. Well, my friend Erin Enderlin, who's an amazing artist and songwriter, um, she had this great idea and she chose me to explore it with and I'm, I'm glad she did and we, yeah. you know, we wrote the song. She, um, she and her friend uh, Alex Klein, had, who is an awesome songwriter, producer in town, um, Alex, I think, worked with Terry, like Alex produced Terry Clark's album. But um, we had, a, there's a connection in there somewhere. Yeah. And, and Aaron, Aaron is friends with, with Terry. So she sent her some songs and Terry just loved it. And I mean, it's unbelievable. I went, she had a listening party um, a couple years ago, shortly before the album came out. And, you know, I was in this, went into this recording studio with all the other co-writers on the on the record and I mean to hear her she has she loves that song which is awesome and she was just talking about um she just had the kindest things to say about it and she and I've heard my dad sends me video clips of her singing the song and introducing <laughs> it and it just means so much that I mean I grew up singing her songs in yeah. these little country operas like once I started singing in high school there are all these little country music shows in um, Southern Indiana where I'm from, where you go and play like five or six songs with the house band. And mm -hmm. I would sing um, Better Things to Do, um, Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me. And I mean, she, she was huge, you know? I mean, she yeah. is, she's massive. She's amazing. Yeah. And did you, 
I mean, obviously you got to meet her at the listening party. Did she give you any, any advice or anything? Because obviously now being a female artist is, is still just as hard and there was obviously so much said about it. But back then when she kind of was at her best, it must have been so difficult as well. So did you have any conversations about that or was it kind of very, oh, this is just about the song? Um, I didn't really get a chance to really dive in with her because everybody else, I mean, it was, there are tons of other writers there. Yeah. But I mean, she could not have been kinder or more down to earth. Uh, I mean, she just said she loved my writing, all of that. I don't, which is, that's, you know, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh, that must have given you a lot of confidence as well. Because I know you said, obviously, you lost quite a bit of confidence in your writing um, and in yourself. Was that kind of something that, you know, getting a song on a record like as big as hers was that something that kind of made you think, yeah, I've proper, I've got my, my groove back. Was it a good, yeah. good confidence booster? Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote the song with Aaron while I was, while I was still at Carnival. Um, but that said, like, I, I have little things that kept happening over the, those few years that I was taking my break that were little signs or little boosters along the way that just made me feel like, okay, you still got this, you're on the right path, you know? So, and that was, I mean, obviously one of them, just that she chose that song for her record and did such a good job. And um, yeah, that was definitely one, one of those moments. Yeah, amazing. So talking of those moments, so your new album, it's been announced, will be coming out in October. Um, you've had two singles released already. So Mr. Wonderful and Little White Light. We'll dive into both of them a bit, but obviously you said there were kind of little moments but was there one particular moment where you were like right this is it this is going to be my record because it's been 11 years is it since you've even kind of written your own music <laughs> so it's, it's a big I mean it's a big thing anyway but to kind of have that break was there obviously you said there were a few moments but was there one thing in particular that said right let's do it this is it this is the record let's go well I you know I hadn't finished whenever I started recording the record with my producer, I hadn't even finished. I didn't have all the songs yet, you yeah. know, but I would say the biggest thing for me in that time period was um, there's a venue called Eddie's Attic in Atlanta and it hosts a um, songwriter competition every Monday night. So um, about I mean, probably like six or seven months after I left Carnival, I went down and uh, played in their Monday night open mic. I ended up winning that night. And then the winners of the Monday night come back um, and they do like a competition for six, for six months worth of Monday night winners. Yeah. And um, I, I won that. And that was kind of, and I, when I went and played that, I played the kind of songs that I, like I wasn't so much thinking about, okay, what's going to please the audience. I was thinking, what do I love to sing? And that, and, and I did that. And then it, and then it was just validation for me when I, when I ended up winning. And um, it just made me, that was the biggest thing for me to kind of, and it was months before I started writing again, but it, that was the thing that really made me be like, okay, you can still be an artist. It was more so like giving you the artist, the, that little boost. Yeah. Um, and so Mr. Wonderful, which it came out in April, 
you said you kind of had a change around with the singles. Was this one that was intended to be released? Or Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely wanted to release it, but I was planning on, it would probably have been the second or second or third one. Um, but I, yeah, the first one that I was planning on release, just planning on releasing just did not fit. But I thought, well, maybe Mr. Wonderful. And then felt really weird about releasing anything with the con, you know, just the climate. Yeah. But, um, I turned on, I was feeling kind of conflicted about releasing music. Uh, and I turned on the TV and it said that, uh, like flashing across the screen was domestic violence reports are up 55%. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I feel like this is the sign that I needed to put it out because, you know, you never know who might find some kind of, who needs to feel like they're not alone. You know what I mean? Definitely. And it's, it's such a, a heavy song, but in a way that it, it's the song that needs to be heard, I think. And I suppose you probably, obviously, from releasing it, feel that too. Um, it's a very personal song as well, because I know, obviously, you were saying he, it's, he's a person. Um, why was it a hard choice to even record it and to release it because it was so personal? Um, no, like it was, it was one of those things where I knew I needed to write it and release it. Uh, but keep this relationship for me was years ago and I didn't even write the song till probably three years after yeah. the relationship ended. So I had a lot of time to reflect on it. And I think that's what ended up helping me write the song as well as that perspective. You're not in the middle of it. Um, doing all with all of that. So I think enough time has passed for me to be comfortable putting it out there. Yeah, definitely. Like a year within a year or two after the relationship ended, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> but now, yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, and then obviously Little White Live, which came out um, on Friday. Was that again, was that a song you knew you wanted as a single? Um, was it something that you were like, yeah, this is the right time for this song? Or was it a harder decision? Well, we knew that one was one that I wasn't sure if it was going to be a single. But whenever I played it live, it, a lot of people seemed to resonate with it. So um, I don't know if it, if the timing, I don't think it was necessarily like a, the time feels right for this particular subject. I mean, that happens. Heartbreak happens all the time. <laughs> So I feel like there's not a bad time for that. I mean, unless you want to hear a happy love song than that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I, my publicist and I had, we decided that we wanted that song to be out. It's, I have this team of people like trying to, you know, we're trying to figure out which ones, which ones are, you know, which ones to put out there. But Little White Lie was not always one that was going to be released. Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously you say it's a relatable song. When I first heard it, literally within kind of the first few lines, I went, yeah, we're all guilty of that. So <laughs> you're so right in that it's such a relatable song. Is that something that factors into what you release? Probably, yeah, definitely. Um, just because you want it to resonate. Like ultimately... Like, like for me, I a lot of times write to figure out my own stuff and then but with the ultimate hope that it helps somebody else. Yeah. 
And uh, so when you're releasing music, you want it to be relatable, you know, and that the more people it can relate, that it definitely is a factor. And some of it is just like what feels important at the time. But yeah. I would say it's definitely, definitely a factor, definitely for this song, especially. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know um, you're going to you're gonna play, hopefully, that for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we are going to have to wrap things up quite soon. Um, but I want to ask you some quick fire questions. So if you're happy, I'll let you play a song and then we'll kind of answer some quick fires. Um, Sounds if, good. If that suits. Yeah, I'm going to take a little sip and then. <laughs> Perfect. I will pop the screen on you. Okay. I said it was the happiest day of my life Then I slipped into the Sunday school room and cried I was praying they were happy tears and I'd be alright There's nothing wrong with a little white light I pose with all my new and old girlfriends In the dresses we would never wear again We shot tequila in communion cups to calm the butterflies There's nothing wrong with a little white light So I sobered up in the back of the line Followed rose petals To the rest of my life Said I would love him Till the day that I die There's nothing wrong With a little white light Oh, there's nothing wrong With a little white light For a while, I have believed that we could do it. Playing house, playing nice till we outgrew it. Now it's, oh my God, what happened? At least you didn't have to get moving out on a long weekend. I can hear the lonely echo in the kitchen Kind of lets you know that something's missing Take one last look through the closet Behind my little black dress I'll find my little white light Covered in lace Two sizes too small, damn Cabernet stain that he could never get off. How I was scared still, but I twirled through the night, around and around my little white light. All covered in lace, two sizes too small. Everything that 
never wanted at all. Pull it down off the hanger and I'll let myself cry into the arms of my little wildlife. Oh, into the arms of my little wildlife. Into the arms of my little wildlife. That was great. Thank you so much for that. Um, I will add that is out now and it is on the album, which comes out October 23rd. Yes, I think so. Yes. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. Um, as I said, we're going to wrap it up a bit now, but I do have some quick fire questions for you, which I ask everyone the same three questions. Okay. Um, so my first question for you, can you name three songs that you wish you'd written? Three songs. Okay. Um, Elephant, Jason Isbell. Nice. Um, Poison and Wine, the Civil War sang it. I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, that's like one of my all time favorites. Um, uh, Mary Garrett. Nice. That is a, a good try. <laughs> Um, sorry, I thought you'd frozen there, but I thought you froze. I heard okay. you. <laughs> <great. laughs> We're good. <laughs> um, and yeah. then, and either or for you. So, if you could either never write a song again or never sing on stage again, which would you pick? Hmm. Cool. That would be hard, but. Probably I'd pick to never sing on stage again because if I knew I couldn't write anything, like mm, that yeah. would I wouldn't I don't like either choice, but <laughs> I know it's a tough <laughs> yeah. Probably choose never sing on stage again. Yeah. Cool. And then three writers that you haven't written with that you would love to write with. Oh gosh. You know. Gosh, it's hard. I, I feel like I'm going to pick people that don't like to write with other people. Can it be like get coffee with? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> or, or whatever. Like, it, I would love to see what happened. Jason Isbell, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Patty Griffin. Noah Gunderson. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, excellent choices. <laughs> um, so we, we are really going to have to wrap things up now, but thank yes. you so much. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and as I said, the new album, October 23rd, and you can download Little White Light and Mr. Wonderful now um, as pre-orders. Um, but thank you so much for being here and for singing for us. It's been great to chat. And hopefully we will hear lots more new music soon. Thank you, Leah. It's been super fun. Super thank fun. All right, I'm going to sing a little another song that's on my um upcoming album it just feels kind of appropriate for the climate we're in so here we go thank you all for listening <laughs> Six twenty-one south sugar street 
That's where they're taking Josephine for seems just forgetting things. Now she's getting me. They kept her home as long as they could. Till there were more bad days than good. And they had to do what they hoped they never would. Told her she was going on a big vacation. Loaded her up in the station for the old folks home people asking when they're gonna go home some are lucky enough not to know shuffle dolls like apprentice ghosts to the main cafe bingo cards and steak puree volunteers smiling vacant faces wonder if they're in better places Still got memories. Everything is a little less worse when someone sees you like a person. At the old folks' home, people asking when they're gonna go home. Some are lucky enough not to know. Shuffle dolls like apprentice goes. Past a sad gift shop where good granddaughters buy their afterthoughts. Pink flowered cards, sign love you lots. For a moment, you don't feel forgotten. Esther, she ain't seen her son since the day she didn't know who he was. He left her with a check and a hug and hoped that it was love. And months fly by with no phone call. She just rocks her baby doll, stares at squares that strangers take to the wall. I'm in an old country song. Nurses tuck her in, tell her they love her. They can't fix the grieving mother. At the old folks' home, 
goes like a prentice goes. Locked up in God's waiting room. No such thing has gone too soon. The body's tired and the mind is too. Wonder when he's gonna come through. Take you home. Take you home. Take you home.